Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well that's good. Welcome to an all new episode. Of Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio. The trade that the trade deadline has passed. The Flyers were buyers. They are making a push to the postseason. They will upset the Washington Capitals. We have all that for you and more on this brand new edition of Broad Street Hockey Radio. Let me introduce you to my panel. First and foremost, the heartbeat of the show, Kelly Hinkle. Mm. That's that new thing called sarcasm. <laughs> So, in that vein... Why would you say that? I think you're one of the most important aspects of the show. Well, one of thanks, the mo- One of the four. You're sure. in the top one four. One of the top four. You make that up at good. least 25% of this show. You know, I appreciate that. That's very generous of you. But, you know, our little podcast is starting to get some attention and some traction, which it absolutely should because it's the best podcast the internet has ever seen. But as we get that attention, it's kind of occurred to me that no one actually knows that I'm on this show. It's always like, hey, Steph, Bill, and Charlie, you guys are awesome. And um, that hurts me a little bit. <laughs> so uh, follow me on Twitter, at Hinks. That's me. Do it, people. She's a great I'm follow. on the show. I write words on Brushy always... every single day. <laughs> She's the only one. <laughs> the only one out of us. Uh, I always feel bad like when somebody just ats me, like at Broad Street Hockey Radio, and then like ads me, like at Philadelphia. What do you think of this? I'm like, I don't know. Ask Charlie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't ever feel bad. Please give me all of the attention. No, if it's yelling about sports, <laughs> Thanks. don't ask Steph, just ask me, because no. it makes her nuts, and that'll make the show better. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Charlie, we have the man with the observations, Charlie O'Connor. So one thing that always bothers me about times when the Flyers' power play isn't performing up to its potential is when you hear the idea that, oh, it's too predictable. That's why. That's why it's bad, because it's predictable. And what infuriates me about that is that pretty much all the good power plays, all the really good power plays, they're all predictable. That's sort of one of you the reasons. You do what works. That's one of the reasons why they're good. Like, everyone knows that Claude Giroux, when he has the puck, is looking to probably do one of two things. Either get the puck to Braden Shen in the slot and take a one-timer, or get the puck back to Gossespierre. That's fine, because Braden Shen's really good at one-timing the puck from the slot or doing deflection plays, and Shane Gossespierre has a very good shot. Like... We don't need to freak out about it being predictable because even if somebody like Washington, like they did on Saturday, and they try to take away Claude Giroux, they're already down a man. That means they're leaving another person open who's also really good on the power play. Like, I think the only power play that's been really good over the past like five or six years that isn't ultra-structured in terms of like where everybody takes shots is Vancouver. 
and that's because the Sedins are one person, and yeah, they, 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 they can kind of <laughs> float around and do whatever they want because the other guy knows exactly what the other one's doing because they're insane. Aside from that, everybody Ident, is predictive. Same, ickle, person, same person. Exactly. <laughs> like, how many times have we seen Alexander Ovechkin score that one-timer goal in the power play? But somehow... But somehow no one, no one can that's stop coming. it. That's like the most predictable play, and it's one of the best plays I've in hockey. Seen, Alexander Ovechkin is awesome. I've only seen a handful of times where somebody just goes, I'm putting one guy right on top of Ovechkin, and we're just going to play four on three and see what happens. But that would be my strategy. Well, the Flyers did that in the playoffs with Schultz, and then they got then, killed yeah, Carlson by Carlson just started, up <laughs> Yeah, well, wow. they also got really bad goaltending in that, for that, the first half of that series. You're not wrong. And Schultz. Yeah, I mean that's the operative word. <laughs> well, I mean there. if you're gonna have him do a job like standing, standing still there in front and of Ovechkin, great for him. Yeah, like, that's, that's true. He, that's did, what he, he took, does. He took a beating. And that lovely voice right there was my broadcast partner in crime, Stephlicious D. Steph Driver. So William, a group of us went to this Washington game this past weekend, and it's only my second away game, away Flyers game ever. It's a really different experience from the Devils to the Capitals. Well, yeah, there's there were people there. There were people there. <laughs> and there were people there that were cheering for the other team. But, number one, the Capitals do a lot of really weird things, like chapstick tosses. Ooh, I like that. No, it's weird. It was so weird. Do they it, just throw chapstick into the stands yeah. for people to have? Yeah. That sounds awesome. It's weird. I like my lips to be properly lubricated. It's so well, so do the people of Washington D.C. because you know politicians. Um, Giggity. That was an ass kissing joke for anybody who missed it. Ass kissing. Gotcha. Anyway, Thanks, Steph. you're welcome. Um, but also, Flyers fans are really well traveled. Like I know that we talk about it when we see them on TV, and there's like little groups of them. There were Flyers fans fucking everywhere during this game, and. Travis ran into a fan of Broad Street Hockey Radio in the bathroom. That's outstanding. He heard he heard him. His name was Ryan talking about a podcast that he listens to, a Flyers podcast. Travis was like, oh, uh, which, which one? And he said Broad Street Hockey. And then he came and met all of us at the bar. So that was a lot of fun. That's really cool. It was cool. Uh, yeah, there's a couple. There's one thing that I think Philly people don't always get about the Flyers because none of the other teams are like, quote unquote, national teams. But the Flyers are. They are like the Pittsburgh Steelers of the NHL. They are a huge deal. Like in the 70s they were big, oh, in yeah. the 80s they were big, in the 90s they had Lindros. Like and that kind of like you have fans from other places who just pick the Flyers. That doesn't really happen with like the Eagles or maybe it did with the Sixers with AI, but not really beyond that and it definitely doesn't happen with the Phillies. Uh <laughs> But, like, the Flyers are a really big deal. I remember when Dan Carcillo came over, he was saying how, like, his his favorite team when he was a kid was the Flyers. He knocked out his teeth so he could look like Bob Clark. Yeah. And it was just because, like, he loved that bully mentality that the Flyers had. That was his kind of hockey. And I think a lot of people uh, share that sentiment. They were a real entertaining team to watch. Yes. Okay. That's all. But also, Flyers fans are the best. We travel like nobody else. Yeah. There's nobody in hockey who travels. And, you know, it's the winter in Philly. You want to go somewhere. D.C.'s a little south. Might be tad warmer. I don't think it was. No? no. Not that I recall. I don't understand. I don't understand the way. I had alcohol. I don't know. I want... Uh, for the first time in my life, I don't have a strong opinion about something. <laughs> okay. Interesting. And I've been, like, bouncing this off some, some of my friends who are real into hockey, trying to get trying to understand both sides of it, and I just can't come up with an opinion. Uh, offside. 
there's like a movement on the Twitter. Uh, people want to get rid of offside. That's dumb. And people want to get rid of the challenge. T- uh, t- no, no, there's also people. No, there is a there is a real Sorry, strong uh, half my timeline. Half my timeline is just like yeah, get rid of offside. And typically, when I hear these things, my initial reaction is like it's stupid. Uh, this wasn't though, and I don't. What's the argument for it? What's the argument to get rid of offside, Charlie? I guess the argument to get rid of it is that it will open things up because the the theory is that number one, you won't have as many rushes get killed because of offside. So it'll, the rushes will be faster because people won't be as worried about it and it'll stretch out the defenses because some guys can go in before the puck, which makes defensemen have to give bigger gaps, which opens things up for more creative play. The other is that you have the threat of teams cherry picking, which will then force teams to kind of have to account for that, which mm-hmm. maybe will make defensive zone coverages less tight because there's always the threat or offensive zone. Like that, the, the threat will open things up. That's the theory behind why offside should be gotten rid of. Am I the only one who would absolutely hate cherry? Like I, that I don't think teams are going to do it though because no coach is going to say, "Yeah, we're going to play five on four in the defensive zone." No coach will make that decision. I guess. I don't know. You've I got mean, some weird coaches. I mean, the, yeah, challenge- maybe if you're Colorado and you've got like a 283 winning percentage and it's like, screw it, let's see if we can get a breakaway. But beyond that, I just don't see a team being, uh, yeah, that's our that's our best strategy. What I, if it's it's like during a line change? I don't know. I, I, like dur- during a line change on the rush coming back to the offensive zone and then you've got three players hanging out. I mean, that is... Stay vigilant. I just question my my problem with it is that I don't think it's this cure all that its supporters seem to think it is. Like, what do we get? One season of three on three hockey being really fun, and then the coaches made it boring. Like, or not? I mean, not boring, but certainly more boring than it was originally. The game, the three on three overtime, is not what it was when the Flyers played Tampa Bay in that first game last season. Exactly. Exactly. My opinion is that thinking that getting rid of offsides is going to open things up and magically a lot of goals are going to be scored is naive because the coaches, every single NHL coach is obsessed with defense. And if they get rid of offsides, it'll take the coaches probably about three months to figure out how to suck the life out of not having offsides. Oh, my my oh, one sure. my one cure-all for making the league more entertaining is just do away with coaches. <laughs> <laughs> they make the game boring. Get, it, get rid of them. What purpose do they serve? The, uh, seriously, screw coaches. Get rid of them all. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty tired of them just, I and I think we've talked about this before, but I don't really think that the goal scoring is a problem. Like, I'm tired of them trying to find ways to make more goals happen. That's not going to solve any problem with the game. I want to make game. more creativity happen. I want to see the best players yeah. making the best possible plays, and that will result in more goals, I think. Probably. But, uh, like, goal scoring, it's, I don't know. Like, I don't want to make the nets bigger because no, I'm not no. that entertained by a shot going in from the blue line. No. That's not great to me. But scoring chances and, like, awesome tic-tac-toe plays and breakaways and stuff like that, I would like to see more of it. So I'm not, I'm just, I'm not against get, getting rid of offs. Because was it the, uh, it was the Washington game that went to overtime and they challenged that, uh, that was the last Flyers game, right? It was. We were there. Yeah, they challenged the. They were all off the ice. Yeah, they challenged the entry. Like, well, I thought they, I thought they challenged. I mean, we were there. I assume they challenged interference. They challenged I, the entry. Oh, they challenged the entry. Yeah. I actually thought to myself, "Oh, he might have been off." Oh, huh. it was they really. Went in. It was really, 
really close. And honestly, if it wasn't like everyone was off the ice and it was a game-winning goal, I could totally see that getting overturned. But it's a quarter of an inch, and it was 60 seconds before the goal was scored. I I just don't – it had no bearing on the play whatsoever. And to think, like, you would take away a game-winning goal because of a quarter of an inch that didn't matter at all is silly to me. Well, that's why I think they absolutely need to get rid of the offsides challenge. It's not – it's not improved the game in any way. It's annoying 99% of the time and almost never does, like you just said, the play that was offside almost never directly impacts the goal that's being challenged. Yeah, like if it's on a, if you score on a rush, like a two on one and the guy's a foot offside, maybe, or like that Briere goal against. But they're almost never going to miss that. Yeah, that Briere goal against the Penguins that they blew. <laughs> like, yeah, all right, that probably shouldn't stand. But beyond that, stuff that was just blatant. I mean, does it matter at all? I, I don't know. I think it would make the game more interesting. I wouldn't mind seeing them try it in the preseason or something. I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing them try it in the preseason. Yeah. Just to see what happens. At the same time, though, how can you even know if it happens in the preseason, teams aren't really trying to win, and coaches aren't really trying to game plan for it. It's hard. My thing is just that I guess I don't think there's – anything seriously wrong with hockey and i get why people are oh it's boring i don't find it boring but i like but i like the tactics of hockey so like i don't mind watching those scoring games i get that other people have an issue with that i get it i don't and i worry that if you get rid of offsides there's gonna be a lot of unintended consequences because no one really has any clue how teams are going to react to it that's a fair point rules are rules rules are rules for a reason stop trying to fuck with rules yeah, that's all. But are they, though? Yes. Like, there are some bad rules. Yeah, but this one is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I would have to see what would happen without it before. Uh, that's. I, I would have to you see. He's going to get rid of the line altogether. Like, and like, but roller hockey sucks, and that doesn't have offsides, so maybe it would suck. It would probably suck. Like, you need to have. There, there's a reason why things happen, and. If they're going to keep it, they need to make the offensive zone smaller, I'll tell you that. Why? You want a bigger shots zone? Are, shots are coming from way too far out. It's too easy to keep teams to the perimeter. Well, this, this is just a, That's interesting. This is just a theory. This is something that I literally just came up with, so there's probably tons of good reasons why this wouldn't work. What if you just made the blue line bigger? That's something I've heard, That's too, is they're thinking about making it just like a lot wider. Yeah. I mean, that might that would shrink the offensive zone, and it would make it easier for you to stay on side and on rushes. De- defining that know, the maybe. puck defining that the puck doesn't have to be all the way across it. It can just be touching the blue and a player can like, you know, cuz that doesn't matter. If you're stationary and the puck is not all the way across the line, yeah, yeah. that's not affecting the play in any way shape or form. Well, I think the one tweak they are going to do and this seems like it will pass is that like you don't have to you know how there have been goals turned uh, overturned recently because a guy's skate is off the ice, yeah. but it's still on the line. Like obviously the guy's freaking on side. Like yeah. like let's let's be realistic here. Does it really matter if his skate's on the ice? Or and that's the, the stuff the challenge is just making the game like uh, you want to make the game more exciting, and you have five minutes to take away a goal that like you can't even tell if he was on side yeah. or not. Specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers.
I love the explosion at the end. I will the say, <laughs> I love, I love that part. Uh, it's not bad when it's shorter. I like the. Uh, the I like, song is fantastic. I like the uh, shortened remix version, the radio edit, the if radio you will. Edit. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about the hockey team, the Flyers, now specifically. Um, there's a couple of games left, like what, 20, 18? Less than that, yeah. Yeah, something. So you're in. I don't know. <laughs> I really probably should have looked that up before I decided to make it my lead. Uh, <laughs> I want to know what the rest of the season is about to you. Because it seems that the four of us might be on the same page about what the season should be about, but maybe we thought that's what the whole season should have been about. And what the, the rest of the season is about to Ron Hextall, because. It looks like the rest of the season to Ron Hextall is about making a push to get into the playoffs. And I think it should be about evaluation. Uh, thoughts? Well, all right. So there's no way that this team is making the playoffs. I know that they're close-ish in points, but they should. this is not a playoff team, even if they make the playoffs, which I don't think they will. They're not going far if like, they win a game at all. Um what I think they should be looking at is what the hell is actually happening with this team. Like this year has been a problem. Um, so they need evaluation. Fine. Like, yes, we can evaluate, but it's gotta be all of the players, the entire coaching staff and the front office. Like what the actual hell happened this year. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that, I mean, if it were up to me, what I would like to see is, I mean, at some point, in the next week or so, we're probably going to be out of a playoff spot if we're being realistic. Yes. So at that point, I would like to see us start thinking about what this team is going to be next year and evaluating players who might be on the roster to see how they perform at the NHL level. And I know that the Phantoms are going to be making the playoffs and they have you know, a, a lot to look forward to there, but it wouldn't bother me at all if we started, you know, calling some guys up just to see what shakes out as far as roster spots. I don't know if they'll do that. No, I mean, I don't think they will. I'm saying yeah. what I would like, okay. but I don't think they will. See, I, I guess I'm in the like I'm in the minority here. Do I think the Flyers are going to make the playoffs? No, I think they have a very small like a small chance of making the playoffs. But I don't, I don't know how you can go to the players on your team and make moves and make decisions based on the idea that the team isn't going to make the playoffs when they are just three points out. Mm -hmm. And every single player on that team wakes up and the first thing they probably do is check the standings. Like, they're obsessed with making the playoffs because they're ultra-competitive If you're Michael Delzato, you're still up. Well, yeah, you you never went to sleep. (laughs) You were just swiping right. But anyway, um, the the thing is, is that... You'd have to basically be completely out of any chance of making the playoffs before you can start bringing up like a Robert Haig or a Sam Moran to give him a shot. Yeah, we may think it's over, and I don't even think it's definitely over. I just – I know they have a really tough schedule, and I don't tr- – as much as I'd like to trust that Steve Mason will continue to play as – Why well, would I trust that? Why would I trust that? Yeah, like he's – every time this year we thought he was about to turn things around, he then kind of started sucking again. Because he's angry now. No, I mean that would be cool. Like if if Mason finishes strong, yeah, the Flyers could go on a run. But they're also battling with like five other teams for one spot, mm-hmm. so it's going to be really hard. But I don't think you can. I don't think you, as a general manager, if you're Ron Hextall, can essentially give up on the season because of the message it sends your team, who still, understandably so, believes that they are going to make the playoffs. And you you have these guys 
who are going to be here. It's not like you have a team of players that you're going to be getting rid of. So having that kind of sentiment, like, yeah, it's over. Sorry, boys. Like, all right, but I got to play tonight? Like, yeah, you do, even though I told you it doesn't matter. So, I, it, Well, I mean, there's going to be a, a point at which they can't. I mean, they're going to be mathematically eliminated at some point. If they drop you know, a particular set of games against a particular set of teams, it's really going to put them in a hole that's going to be impossible to dig out of. And at that point, you make a different determination than the one you have right now. That's fair. But if they had gone into the trade deadline in the week leading up to the trade deadline, being like, we are moving all of these uh, pending UFAs and only bringing back picks, not like a Valtteri Filpola. If we are going to maybe think about getting rid of Braden Shen or getting rid of somebody with some term, then that's a different story. But since they didn't do those things, you're kind of in position to say, go out and play and see what happens. You can't... I, I don't know. It's, so, it's so, a tough spot for the GM now because of the situation he created for himself in the last two weeks. Yeah. Yep. So Hextall has said this before. Um, I believe it's happened a couple of times when I was covering practices. Hextall once in a while will come up and, and ask, you know, hey, do you want access? And then we'll ask him questions. And there, there seems to be a not, not a not a disconnect, but there's a feeling among the fan base that it's like, okay, either this is a developmental year or this is a contending year. It's like one or the other. That's not the way that Ron Hextall views it. The way that Ron Hextall views it is that getting to the playoffs and getting playoff experience is part of development, is development for these kids. Mm-hmm. So for him, like if Ivan Provorov doesn't get his first taste of playoff action this year, like that's a missed opportunity for development. Absolutely. And he's not looking at it as, well, if we make the playoffs and lose in four games to the Capitals, why bother? We should have just sucked and then gotten a pick seven picks lower than what we what we originally had it. Like he's looking at it as getting to the playoffs develops our kids. So that's sort of the disconnect between what he's thinking about when he thinks of development and what a lot of the fans do. And it's hockey is just different than, you know, we've kind of grown accustomed to this developmental process here with the Phillies and the Sixers. To some extent, the Eagles, they never really rebuild. They just kind of yeah. keep throwing spaghetti at the wall. They just have, like, a coach falls apart and then they hire somebody new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's... I, I can see the situation they're in, and since they kind of have a full roster, they can't just bring up Sam Moran. Like, I would love to see it happen, <laughs> but it's not going to. No. But will, uh, will the potential for the Phantoms to make a Calder Cup run weigh in on this decision at all, do you think? Probably. Like, Jordan Wheel hasn't been sent back down yet, so I guess it's not a huge, like, that's not an, like a, like a thing weighing in on them, but... I think it might a little bit, but probably not a ton. I, I do believe that their main focus is helping the big team. But at the same time, they have kids on that team that they probably would like to have the experience of succeeding in the playoffs. That's, again, it goes back to the development thing, that they think that playing, even playing in the AHL playoffs is probably, just like the NHL playoffs is at a different pace than the NHL regular season, the AHL playoffs are probably at a different pace than the AHL regular season. In the end, I don't think they're going to be making decisions saying, well, you know, I know we need a player here and somebody's hurt, but God damn it, we need we need to get that that number two seed or whatever. Like, that's not going to happen. But I do believe that there's not going to necessarily be like mass call ups of the week left in the year if they're battling for a key seeding spot just for the sake of getting Sam Moran in one game. Like, why bother? Okay, that that's what I said. That's my suspicion. 
So, uh, I, what is our, uh, how do we, if this year was a cross between evaluation and making a playoff push, clearly the playoff push, if they're lucky, they'll get the second wild card. Yeah. They probably won't be lucky. In terms of development, what have we seen this year from the players they're quote-unquote developing? Was it a useful developmental year? Well, Ghost was scratched. <laughs> so, I know. Uh, Ghost did take a step back this year. It's not like he was as good as he was last year. Yeah. From uh, I mean, he just know, wasn't. You know how when football players are training, they make them push those heavy carts with lots of weight on them? Yes. So when you make Ivan Provorov play with Andrew McDonald, he gets better and stronger because he's got to push a big, heavy bunch of dead weight around with him. That's I I That's I think really I called it like a, so. like a player uh, like a baseball player who takes practice cuts with a weight on their bat. Yeah. Like you'll just be better. Ivan Provorov You have to be. Yeah, yeah. Ivan Provorov will be better for having played with Andrew McDonald maybe. He's like Maybe. A, I, I hope McDonald's so. McDonald's a tackling sled. But at the same time like I mean my concern and my fear is that Andrew McDonald has three more three more years left on his contract? And they'll all be on the top and, line. And, 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 and like, yeah, and like, what if they just think that this is that McDonald is the Dan Girardi to Proveral's Ryan McDonough? And it's like, <laughs> do, we, do I think that's going to happen? Probably not, but it could, and that scares the shit out of me. I mean, there's been like every indication that it's going to. That's the problem. But will like is I, that coming from management or is that coming from the coach? Because I think it's from some the point, coach. Management is going to be like, ah, uh, the fuck you doing? I, I would. Know, I, think I don't like him. And it, but it's some. He's point, a likable guy, maybe, but. Not a good hockey player. At some point, you've invested all this time in developing Sanheim and Morin. Yeah, what are we waiting for? And Myers and Hag. And it's like, okay, we're out of roster spots. Only six are going to play. And if they make the determination that Andrew McDonald needs to play in that case, then we have an issue. But, you know, since it's like it's Andrew McDonald or nobody, I guess Andrew McDonald plays. But it's, I don't know. Um, Life is bad. The development thing, this, I, I guess, yes, if they make the playoffs, that's a good step. But if they don't, I just don't. Like, why wasn't Jordan Wheel here? He, there it is. Why wasn't Jordan Wheel here all year? He's that's a good. good. Question. That is a really good question. Really good question. He which I don't hockey. have the answer. It, it, Wheel's interesting because, <laughs> like, on one hand, he's definitely passed the eye test these past couple of weeks. Absolutely. His advanced metrics are freaking awesome. Like, I think from a Corsi standpoint, he's over 60%. Well, throw Corsi out the window. Yeah, because play drivers don't matter. But <laughs> I think his Corsi is over 60. I, I've been breaking down his micro stats. Like, he's been a great entry player. He's over 50% controlled entry rate. He's, he's generating a lot of them. So if generally, if you create a lot of entries and most of them are with possession of the puck, you're probably a pretty skilled forward. He looks good by the numbers, but at the same time, like he's played seven games, he has one goal and no assists. And granted, I get it. So he fits in perfectly. But, like, that, that's the thing. Like, yes, he looks good. And yes, he seems to be doing the right things. But like, how many players in this team seem to be doing the right things this year but aren't scoring? And can you blame that on Wheel? Can you say, like, well, shit, this guy's supposed to be a scorer. He has one goal in seven games and no assists. Like, if he's not a scorer, then what the hell's the point? Or do you say, no one's scoring on this team, so can you really blame him for it? I don't know, but he has to, not only does he have to look good, he has to score f- to earn a spot because the His odds job are, is well, to score. The odds are against him. He's already a guy who people don't think is going to pull it off. So he needs to constantly impress and pass every single test. And in seven games, he has one goal, and that's not going to do it 
when you're already looked at by a lot of people, I think, in the organization as probably a quad A guy. You know what yeah, I mean? And he's, I mean, he's not going to be on the Broad Street Hockey top 25 under 25 next year. Like, he turns 25 yeah. in April. Yeah. This is who... I, He's no longer a prospect. He's a guy you're like, he fits in the lineup in this role or we part ways. He's a UFA. Uh, Now it's time for everybody's favorite subject, the goalies. Do do we have a goalie controversy? Goalie? I don't think it's much of a controversy. I think it's exactly what we thought it was all along. It is the most Flyers goaltending situation that has ever existed. It's absolutely wonderful that Mason's going on this run right after Neuvert gets the contract. Because he's mad. That's the controversy. The controversy is not who should be starting. That's a clear cut that Mason should be starting because he's actually playing well and he's slowly moving his his save percentage in the season to like, hey, this really wasn't that bad of a year. Like If he continues this for the rest of the season... He probably finished with a save percentage somewhat similar to what has been the other Flyers' years. And that's insane because this year's been such a disaster. Huh. Yeah, if he continues huh. this for the rest of the year and if Claude Giroux gets a hat trick in every well, game true. for the rest of the season, he'll win MVP. Well, no, well, he no. I, I guess I, I guess what I'm getting at is that it's it's amazing to think that as bad as he's been all year, that like theoretically he could still redeem his stats because it seems like he's taken hold of the job. Now, whether he can do that is another story entirely, but it's funny to me that this wouldn't there would be no there'd be nothing controversial about what's going on right now had they not given the contract to Neuver. This would just be Absolutely, like, no. be like, oh, Mason's probably the better goalie. He's playing like the better goalie. He's taking control of the job when they need somebody to take control of the job. But everything got thrown over a loop because they just had to give Michael Neuver a contract. And now you have one guy who's signed who's sitting on the bench because the other guy who they apparently didn't want is better. Yeah, and the guy that you signed was bad when you signed him. Yeah. Very, very, very bad. <laughs> The guy who they signed isn't going to be an orange and black next season. He's going to be a Vegas Golden Knight. Oh, boy. Bill is taking this. This isn't a conspiracy. This is obvious. Okay. This is so obvious. Why would they they want to build a team around a guy who cannot stay healthy for a season? They are not going to build their team around him. Then why would they take him? Because they like him. Because George McPhee likes him. George McPhee also traded him. Guys oh, 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 we had no, we had nothing. nothing. You heard that? I heard it. He didn't like him enough to keep him because they had a guy named Braden Holtby who is the best goalie in hockey the last two years. So why not keep Neuford as a backup? Because you give a guy a chance to go start. Nobody has two starters. Well, has he done that? No, because he okay. can't stay healthy. Okay, good. <laughs> also, he's got a lot of problems. We're back to the start. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Look, I'd love to think it's a, that, it's that, a very that, that, obvious turn of events. I'd love to think if that, that happens, I will give you something. I don't know what yet, but I'll think of it. But it's not happening. I don't think it's impossible. I just don't think, I don't think it's likely. I guarantee. Yeah. I will I will submit to any bet the three of you can come up with. Michael How long Mo- do I have? Well, after- this could get fun. Yeah, come up with something. Come up with, some come up with something for me to do uh, before the expansion draft. At I, the Flyers would, Radio, the Flyers would not have, on the same day, extended a goalie who sucks and traded for a player with a no-movement clause in Valtteri Filppula if 
that protection slot wasn't going to be meaningless. It's all tied together. They have oh to. Oh my pre- god, that they, is a stretch. It's not. It's it really clear what's no, happening. They it's already. Like, oh, these are hockey things, so they're related. They that already have stretch. a deal. They already have a deal with Vegas not to take Cousins Absolutely. or Lawton this, or Raffle or whoever doesn't get the last slot. I would have a deal no. with Vegas to take Lawton or Cousins. But you haven't. They've them. already invested in those players' developments. Are they good yeah, players? Fuck. No, but you've already invested in it. You, you don't want to lose them for nothing. This Maybe the Flyers not. will trade Lawton for some kind of return because they invested in this player's development. They have nothing invested in Michael Neuvert, so they're saying, here, you have to take three goalies. Here's a cheap one you know and like. These are the kinds we'll give, you, give us something for Lawton. Elaborate excuses that people tried to come up with to figure out why they kept playing Andrew McDonald. They were playing Andrew McDonald. Yeah, but because those they were wrong. Andrew McDonald. Those were wrong. That was the case. This one, might, this <laughs> those one were might wrong. Be too. Yeah, they, no, like Andrew McDonald didn't need to play forty games, and people kept saying it. So the facts of their argument were incorrect. Well, okay, that one. But they kept coming up with a lot of different reasons to try to justify why they were playing Andrew McDonald. They were shopping him for a trade. Is Michael Neuvert playing? No, because they know he's not good, nor is he the goalie of the future, nor do they care if they break his confidence, because he's not going to be here. I mean, it's been, what, two games? Neither of them are going to be here, because neither of them are good enough. <laughs> Look, Bill, here's what it comes down to. I almost don't want to argue with you, because I really hope you're right. Uh, I mean, it would be great if yeah, you were. Like, it would solve every single problem. But like, I, I want this conspiracy theory to be accurate. I really do. Michael Neuvert will be a member of the Vegas Golden Knights or one of their AHL affiliates. Uh, do they even have an AHL affiliate? So. They're going to probably end up splitting a team with, with somebody right? for the for yeah. at least the beginning of their beginning of their time. But he will be in their organization when the puck drops on the first day of the season. Absolutely not. We, well, we're, we'll we're definitely coming up with a bet here. There, or there, there, will, be, there will be multiple bets yeah. because this yeah. is... I, this is going to be fun. Absolutely not. I guarantee it. I There's no other reason for it. Because if they extended Neuvert, gave him a substantial raise when he's having the worst season of his career. It's not the worst season of his career. It's pretty bad. But it's not the worst. I had to It's look also it not the first bad contract or bad decision that Ron Hextall has made. If Ron Hextall... That's a fun conversation. And yeah. that's the next thing I'm getting to. Because if I'm wrong, that means Ron Hextall doesn't know what he's doing. And I don't... Plain and simple. There's no other way to put it. Well, it's, I, not, it's not that they don't know what they're doing. It's just a bad move. Like we, we can't, okay. He knows what he's like. Oh, I drove my car off the bridge on purpose. I'm not a bad well, driver. No, well, what I'm saying well, is not have every, you ever driven on seventy six? Because... GM makes is good. You know what I mean? Like you can't. It, it, that's the equivalent of saying that a player, a good player, had one bad year is bad because he had one bad year. No, he was bad that year. And it, like, if if this was the decision that was made by Hextall because he thinks Michael Neuvert is, deserves a raise based on the season, it's a bad decision. It doesn't mean he's necessarily a bad GM. He could be a good or decent GM who made a bad decision. He could also be a bad GM who made a bad decision, but you can't just look at one decision. And I'm and looking at Dale Weiss and Boyd Gordon, Weiss. too. No, okay. he's Weiss again. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. The, the, Weiss, the Weiss contract, I will agree with. The Boy Gordon thing, like, okay, Boy Gordon sucks. Yep. It was a bad signing. Mm-hmm. It was a one-year, almost league minimum contract. Like, who gives a shit? I do. Bring up a kid. Bring up a kid. Yeah. Why couldn't Scott Lawton not play? Well, because Scott Lawton sucks. <laughs> and because so you, does, and because you want him to play somewhere. You don't want him to be sitting <laughs> in the press box like Shane Gossesbear got used to for a while. Like, I, I just, I, I can't wrap my, the Philpola move I love. Right, I, yeah, let, let's go to Philpola. I honestly love. <laughs> no, I'm not done. I'm not done talking about Ron Hextall unless that's going to be later. 
Uh, we can do it later because, well, Philpola ties in because I think this is part of a decision-making process in which I very much agree with Ron Hextall. I, my right. initial impressions of Philpola are good. He is exactly what they needed. They had two effective centers. Now they have three. Yeah, and there was there was an article today by Mike Sielski, I think, yes. that kind of got a lot of play on social media. And in comparison to another article by another journalist that will remain nameless from last week that was just straight up awful, like, this one I didn't agree with, but, like, it was at least comprehensible and made an yeah. argument that uh-huh. made some sort of sense. Um, in any case, his argument was essentially that them going after Philpola was – like a repudiation of Couturier and saying that, well, Couturier can't be a second-line center, and this is them saying that they think Couturier is basically just a guy and they're moving into 3C. And I don't really buy that. I said this on Twitter because I don't think that the Flyers are looking at it as 2C, 3C. I think they're almost looking at it as no, like 2A. That's for video 2C. games. That yeah. kind of stuff is for video games. And I recently saw this argument in uh, about basketball. How like, okay, the 1, the 2, the 3, the 4, the 5 are a way to break down the positions so that a novice can follow the game. Mm-hmm. Calling someone the first line, the second, everyone's got a role. Couturier plays shut down defense. Has his offense come around? No, it hasn't. And that is a bit of a disappointment for a guy you took that high in the draft and was supposed to be the centerpiece of a trade of Jeff Carter. But Voracek worked out a lot better than we expected, so thumbs up on that. And like Nick Cousins draws two penalties every single game, so good good with that one too. It's because of his stupid face. Like everyone plays a role in like, oh, he's not a 2C. What's a 2C? Like, you know, is... Like, yeah, I get it. I would love a Kopitar and a Carter, but most teams don't have that. Philpola, but to go back to Philpola, because it, it seems like both these these guys are kind of linked, just due not not only due to that article, but just due to the roles they have. Yeah, like Philpola's looked good so far, and that's fine. And I've been, I think he had a very good game his first game where he scored the goal. I, the Washington game, he was a little bit less impressive. There were some defensive issues, and I think he had a couple entry attempts that got kind of got chopped up in the neutral zone and set play the other way. I think Philbola could be okay. What I will caution people towards doing is I got a – I forget who it was. It was somebody on Twitter sent me a message, like a, like a tweet at after game one, and said something to the equivalent, to the, to the equivalent of like watching Philbola in this one game showed me all of the offensive instincts that Kashan Gattieri lacks. And like while I get the sentiment, I do, because Philbola definitely has more of an offensive orientation to his game. The reason why we nitpick the hell out of Sean Couturier, aside from just looking at the score sheet, is because there's we, no one else. Well, it's also because we've watched him for five years. Yeah. Like the first two years we watched him, he, he was like the greatest thing. We in the were world. enamored. We loved it. His first game, they're out, he's out there with a minute left with a one goal lead on the Penguins in Pittsburgh. And yeah. we're like, oh my God. This is great. Yeah. And what happens is the longer you watch a guy, the more obvious his flaws become. Because Familiarity just, breeds because, contempt. Yeah, you've just watched him. And I guarantee you, this time next year, we will be pissed off at Valtteri Filippola for, oh. for three aspects of his game that annoy the hell He's out of us. making $5 million. We traded for him. We could have had more picks. Oh, I can't. It's going to happen. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be yelling. It's just it. what we do. <laughs> Same. It'll be me. I'm um, not fully aware. I just, like, I can't. The I, And you, you said this on Twitter. Like, yeah, Couturier's offense never really came around. He scored at a high rate last year, but at this point I'm looking at it like he had one good offensive year and every other year he's like a 38-point player, so maybe that's who he is. But uh, 
it's more about Brayden Shen and Nick Cousins yeah. and how they're just not centers. Yeah. That that was to me the they're wingers. Yeah, that was what yeah. that was to me was the biggest message out of trading for Valtteri Fibula because they went into this year and they basically gave Nick Cousins the three C job because he played well at the end of last season. And then well, actually, no, they didn't, didn't they? That was Belmore. Yeah, it was Belmore at three C. Yeah, that was fun. But then eventually <laughs> they gave Belmore a they, shot. They eventually moved, they gave Cousins. They a moved shot. everyone around in the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so they gave Cousins a shot at center for a while. And then they switched to Shen. And he was like 25% in the face-off circle. Yeah, he got like, killed he in the face-off. Was, he was and then they switched to Shen, they had him there for a while. And then they, I guess, decided that, okay, neither of those guys are third-line centers or second-line centers, so we got to get one. And they decided the best way to get one would be to get somebody else to dump Philpil off on them so they didn't have to waste assets to get a center via trade. Yeah. And that was what it came down to. So this was not them saying Sean Couturier is not a useful center. This was them saying that Braden Shen and Nick Cousins cannot play center in the NHL, basically, because now they're both a wing, and they're probably both going to stay at wing because there's no way that Pierre-Edouard Belmar is ever leaving the 4C spot. Yeah. No. Yeah. Our, uh, our pal Ryan Gilbert from Sons of Penn uh, once told me he's fine with paying 14, Sean Couturier, what he's making even if his offense never comes around because of the defense he plays. And it's easy to nitpick his defensive game when he's supposed to be the shutdown center, but you look at the Florida game, you look at the Washington game, and you go, oh, wow, he is... Yeah, it it hurts you that he's not a 60-point player, but... Not everyone can play defense like that. Oh, wow. No, Look at the the playoff series from last year against Washington from when Sean Couturier went yeah. down, and shit got real bad real quick. And, like, he shut down Ovechkin that whole season, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, Couturier's hurt. The Flyers have no chance. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with Ryan. I think that, in the end... The problem with him not scoring well, like we want him to... Is, is there's no one else. Well, it's, it's that that contract isn't a steel bargain amazing contract he's getting paid like a third line center who can play second line center sometimes that's pretty much what he's been and maybe when he's, he's 26 ba- that's exactly who he'll be yeah but probably not right now he's basically getting pl- paid maybe a little bit under market value for what he provides and that's a decent contract it's just not the holy shit steel contract we were hoping it was going to be and it's not the end of the world and i like i in coming up with this segment, I figured out my problem with Sean Couturier, and it's that he's on a bad team. Yeah. <laughs> Much like, <laughs> that's my problem with Sean Couturier. Like, as soon as I read that, I was how like, yeah, the, yeah, that makes sense. How the Phillies didn't need Jonathan Papelbon because they were a sub-500 team? Like, why would you need a closer when you don't win? Well, Papelbon was also a dick. Well, yeah, sure. I'm just saying, like, the role. When they also traded Ken Giles because they were a sub-500 team, you don't need a closer when you only win 60 games in a year. Like, you don't need a shutdown center on a team that can't score. And I mean, if ever uh, like a team that doesn't win, you don't need a shutdown center. If he was on a good team, it would be amazing. Yeah, and if everyone else who's supposed to be scoring goals was scoring goals on this team, we wouldn't really be worried about the fact that Sean Couturier isn't scoring goals. When when Danny Briere when Danny Briere was still on this team and Claude Giroux was entering the scoring prime of his career, we were in awe of Sean Couturier's defense. And now he's still that player, and they haven't replaced any of that lost production mm-hmm. yeah. and if you break down the numbers so I, I i took a look at them like his full season numbers for this year looking at his scoring at five on five his play driving and essentially what his numbers tell you is that relative to the rest of the league he has driven play pretty much at a first line level like he's driven play very well relative to his teammates he scored at about a third line level which i mean split the difference it's 
pretty much like a second-line center. Now, again, if you focus more on the scoring, then he's not. If you focus more on the play driving, then he is, and it just comes down to what you, you know, what you value. To me, the biggest problem and the biggest disappointment I have with Sean Gatteri is that he's just never, like, he's really bad on the power play, and he just cannot score anything on the power play and you know we've made excuses for him for a while saying like well who else is on the power play but like he's one of the reasons why that power play is not good yeah because he just doesn't bring anything to the table and because he can't score on the power play his points are always going to look bad and at some yeah, point all his goals are at even strength yeah, and he's like, got nine he here here's a crazy i stat. think one so was an empty net in his career his entire career and he spent most of his career on the second power play unit he has nine points that were a goal or a primary assist in his entire career on the power play at five on four, was this year six? Yeah, like he just doesn't score on the power play. That's almost hard to do. And at some <laughs> point, at some for point everyone the, who yeah. says Braden, if you put anyone in Braden Shen's spot, he would have those same numbers. Sean Couturier wouldn't. I, I don't think he would. And Sean Couturier is, by most measures, a better hockey player all around than Braden Shen. But in that one aspect, no. I mean, the second power play unit isn't great. But again, he's one of the he's, reasons. He's one of the reasons why it's not good. That's the thing. Uh, I okay. Like you added Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov to the unit, and it got worse. <laughs> like it shouldn't yeah. have gotten worse. And, uh, I don't know if I heard those words out loud ever. <laughs> I just <laughs> so did the whole team. <laughs> Well, <laughs> which is something I was not expecting. Uh, we touched on Jordan Wheel a little earlier. I jumped the gun on that, but I'm going to tie it in with this decision-making process of Ron Hextall's conversation. Yeah. In that, I brought up the uh, Weiss. Mm-hmm. Weiss? Weiss. I brought up the Weiss. Call, call it whatever you want. I don't even <laughs> I care. brought up the Weiss and Gordon signing, and now I'm going to bring up the uh, Belmar re-signing, too, that we talked about on the uh, trade deadline show on Wednesday. The special. Or the extravagant. These are the players will. Hextall has, other than Philpola, brought into the team. These are his additions. Mm. Was Wheel not here because we still have a GM who values heart and grit over skill? Because Jordan Wheel was either going to play on a line with with Couturier and Voracek if Konechny didn't make the team, or he was going to be in the AHL. And I don't see how that those are your two options. I don't have an answer. So Jordan Wheel is an interesting case because he is someone that was in L.A. when Ron Hextall was in L.A., or at least in the system. Um, and he was kind of a throw-in for the LeCavier-Shen trade. Did Hextall specifically ask for him? Who knows? Maybe. But then he re-signed him when we all thought that he was going to let him walk. So I don't really have an answer. I don't know... I mean, just because of the way that he's played so far this year, and I wasn't impressed when I saw him, what, one or two games last year? Wasn't impressed. He's looked better this time around. I like he's his a lot I've always enjoyed his skating. But is that because we're so deprived of any offensive score and but any that's skills? My issue. Like, right now, we're, we're like, we're in a drought of any offensive ability. That's my issue, is you have a team that clearly didn't have enough skill, whether you know you, you, you thought you are going to get more out of Couturier and Shen at even strength than you have, and things like that. You thought Giroux was going to have a better year. You thought Voracek was going to have a better year. Regardless of that, outside of those couple of players, you had no skill, and you still decided, yeah, Jordan Wheel, he's a phantom. So, is it an undervaluing of skill? Has he improved... 
coaches might just do a great job, and Jordan Wheel is clearly better than he was last year. Mm-hmm. Has he improved this much in the 60 or so games he played with the Phantoms? So the way I look at it is... So, so Garrett Hole, who writes for Hockey Graphs, he had a, a tweet that was interesting to me today. And it was basically the tweet was, the NHL is no longer, no longer designing teams in a top six, bottom six format. Three scoring lines of the normal, and soon four will be. Yep. And th- I think that's accurate. I think it's accurate that most teams now have a top nine and a fourth line. The Flyers have a top nine and a fourth line. Like, they do not have a problem using Strong Couture as the 3C. They will use Valtteri Philippolet probably in the next couple of weeks as the 3C for some games. It depends like, on situation. Yeah, like, that's fine. But they still have that fourth line. And that's where you would love... It's not that Ron Hextall, I think, is is backwards because he's there are still some teams that have a third line that just sucks and they they they're choose, bad teams. They choose, like the to have, they choose to have a third line that just is a grinder line that doesn't do anything except grind and be bad. The Flyers they go with a top nine style, but they're not forward thinking in that they look at the fourth line as also a line that can have skill. Like that's the problem is that they're not forward thinking enough right now to say, hey, why can't our fourth line have Sam Gagne and Scott Hartnell on it? That's what I was going to bring up as we talk about the Dale Weiss signing in you know, four years for like what, four mil a year or whatever the hell it is. And you look at Sam Gagne, he signs for a couple hundred thousand, and you think, yeah, I'd probably prefer him like to play some power play time and you know, yeah, just use him fourth line minutes because, okay, he's one of those – and it gets back to our conversation from before – you're allowed to be a one-way player in this league as long as your one-way is defense. If your one-way is offense, uh, no, you just don't want to. You don't want to try. Is you're lazy. But if you don't want to play offense, you're all about the team. It's just one of those. It's just they, a hockey have, cliche. No, they'd rather have zero-dimensional players than one-dimensional players. Yeah. and that's the thing about these defensive. Like Sean Couturier is a defensive specialist. Like Chris Vandevelde is just a replacement-level player. He's not very. He's not a defensive specialist. He's just a warm body. But that's how you fill your fourth line with guys you think, yeah, he'll kill penalties. But uh, I think it's garbage. Yeah, I just you know, like Jordan Will would have been great on line four. I would love it here, but they can't do that because they view line four as where you park the penalty killers, yeah. and that's where you're falling behind the teams like Columbus, the Penguins, the Rangers. Like those are the teams that are thinking about that. And lo and behold, those are the teams that are all ahead of the Flyers in the standings. Like, there is a connection here. There is a connection here. Good players equal wins. Yeah. I, for, I think it was um, Mike Fail on Twitter who writes for, about the, the Calgary Flames on SB Nation um, tweeted something fairly recently about how it's a pretty stupid strategy to save roster spots for guys that you think are good on the penalty kill when you can fill a roster spot with a guy who is good at hockey who can also play on the penalty kill. And we're doing that first thing and have been doing it all year and don't show any signs of changing. Yeah, like, you know who should be on the penalty kill? Michael Roffel, not Chris Vandeveld. Yeah. That's what I would like to see. Michael Roffel has passed. R.I.P. Michael. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? What are you tweeting about, Steph? You and your guarantee. Oh, we're, okay. we're finding bets for you. Yeah, okay. calm it's down. Be great. Life is I just, fine. I'm just getting all these notifications, and I'm like, wait, <laughs> surprise! Are, are, I see Steph mentioned me, and it wasn't out loud. It was no. Okay. I, I, I like to talk about you behind your back. So That's I want to talk about Ron Hextall's ability to assess veteran talent. This is a good thing to talk about. I think it's a fair question to ask. Because all of the things that we've been talking about have been questionable with veteran talent. Yeah. We're talking 
Chris Vandevelde, who got an extension. We're talking Pierre Edward Pierre Edward Belmar, who got, got extended an twice. Two twice. extensions. We're talking so Vandevelde. Nah. <laughs> uh, was it two under Hextall? I think. Yeah, I think Vandevelde got extended in 2015, which I think was Hextall. Oh, funzy. Okay. Um, we're talking Michael Neuvert. We're talking Dale Weiss. We're talking. Boyd Gordon, we're talking... Noivert doesn't count. He's going to be a golden knight. Well, for right now... For right now, it counts, buddy. Right now, the reality Nick is... Schultz. <laughs> Nick yeah. Schultz. Um, who who else? Remember was that he... year when all the beats were trying to convince us that Nick Schultz was the Flyers' best defenseman that, that year? That was fun. That that was was such I, a I, I legitimately year. thought he was going to win the, the Ashby. I was at that game, <laughs> and it was only to hear him get booed for the Ashby. And then they gave it to Strike because he's not bad. Yeah, so so this is what we're, what we're looking at. So... In terms of amateur talent, I think that so far Ron Hextall's done pretty well drafting. The Flyers have really good scouts, but they had good scouts before Ron Hextall got here. Right. That's so the let thing. Me, let me ask they got you Shane Gostaspare in the third round before Hextall was in the organization. Go ahead, So Kelly. just just to clarify some things for um, me and other people who don't know, um, the assistant GM role where we plucked Hextall from. Is that a role that is more geared towards scouting and finding amateur talent, or would he have been focused on signing veteran talent in LA? I think it varies from team to team. I don't okay. know I don't know for sure. I know that the assistant GMs that I have like not that I've talked to, because I haven't, but like what I've talked to people who and I asked them like what does the did the assistant GM do? They do contract negotiations is one thing they okay. focus a lot on, um, and then also like, providing advice. Hextall's terrible. Dad. He's pretty bad at that. Yeah, providing advice to the GM and okay. you know different opinions in terms of what decisions should be made. The so, one it's it, it's a pretty important position. The one thing I heard about Hextall in LA was he was the GM of their AHL team. That was his job there, and it makes and they sense. were quite good. And it makes sense that he went out and decided to improve the Phantoms this year by not only having you know the prospects that they have, but bringing in some career AHL guys so they didn't get their brains beaten in every night because they're twenty years old. All of them. I think it's it's completely reasonable to be concerned about Hextall's ability to evaluate NHL talent. Because you mentioned the draft, and you mentioned that he's done a pretty good job. My big thing with the draft is that what I've loved about what Hextall's done in the draft is that he's totally removed the Flyers from the era of let's draft Garrett Klotz and let's draft Tyrell Goldborn. Like, every guy they pick is a skill guy. Maybe once a draft, they they throw a flyer on like a Carson Terinsky, who even has some potential like he could be a score he just probably won't be like sign kind of like samuel dove mcfalls a few a couple years ago like same deal but yeah and sometimes those guys turn out yeah, and it's a third round pick exactly like, all right we'll take a shot but it's not tyro gold it's not a four yeah. like the flyer yeah, it's the, the, not he's gonna be an enforcer yeah. in the nhl yeah like the flyers are drafting for skill the concern is that they're signing grit like the one the one player under hextall that they've added an NHL player that they've added in a trade or free agency that's actually been good is Radko Gudis, and he was a throw-in. Like, and he was a goon, and, and he was a goon. Good, he just yeah. happened to be good. Yeah, yeah. But like you, you, Steph, you just kind of ran through a bunch of players. They've yes. all been disappointments. They all were NHL talents, and that's the concern. Is like, does Hextall just have a blind spot when it comes to these grit guys that he that he signs to fill out rosters that just aren't all that good? And you need to fill out rosters with talented players. And it's a concern. It's a concern because we're coming up on the time when the Flyers will get cap space again. And they will be able to chase after players that can hopefully slide into the core. 
And yes, I think it's reasonable to be a bit concerned that Hextall may be a great scouting GM and not a great NHL talent evaluator GM. And we talked about it on the uh, the trade deadline show. Another reason I like the Philpola trade is because they're going to spend to the cap every year, and this maybe saves them from signing a guy to four years, five million bucks, who's worse than Philpola. Oh yeah, we need another center. Let's go get you know Jordan Stahl, like for the he's, same money. And I was going to say he's not having a bad season, but wrong Stahl. To be fair, also, I know, like you mentioned Neuvert, and I know, like, we're all down on him this year, but, like, he did, he was very good last year. He is so, a good so I, I, I don't think that was a bad signing. Right. And, and I mean, all right, so he Originally, did. Originally, this one was, but. He also got the Shen contract done, which I don't hate. Um, Delzato, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he signed the extension, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there have been some okay things that he's done just nothing oh he re-upped um raffle that's a good i'm more i'm more talking about acquisitions no absolutely outside the organization yeah that's the bigger concern because if you're going to extend guys that you already have fine i think he's done an okay job with that but it's bringing in dudes that number one you don't need number two don't fit the team i'm just concerned as i said the only guy he's brought in was gudis that's been legitimately very good Mm -hmm. Like, especially relative to expectations. And I don't even know, like, how much of that was Ron Hextall calling up Iserman and saying, we're doing this trade and Rakagudas is involved? And how much of that was Tampa Bay saying, well, we need to move some space, so do you want this guy? And Hextall's like, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll take a flyer on yeah, him. Like, exactly. I, I don't know how much of that was them actively targeting Rakagudas and how much of it just kind of happened. Yeah, I don't have that answer either. We have a couple minutes left, so I just want to ask a few quick things. Uh, shootouts. The Flyers are six and four in shootouts. In uh, in your observations, Charlie, you put like, "Wow, they don't suck this year, Adam." <laughs> and like, there's a couple things that surprised me. Is that Mason has always been bad at him his whole time here, and he's killing it this year. And Giroux, for most of his career, was a stud in the shootout. He's three for ten this year, and just not very good in the last two or three years at all. Like, what? Which is more surprising, Mason? Yeah, I, I would go with Mason. I think it's also the harder job. Oh, for oh sure. it's absolutely so much I think that harder. That's, that's more surprising. I also think all of it's meaningless and it's just a bunch of dumb luck. Just, I'm, I'm kind of with Kelly on that. Yeah. It's <sighs> a crapshoot. I don't know because it's repeatable. Is it? But like guys who are good at shootouts tend to continue to be good at shootouts. Charlie, do they? Well, guys true? that are really good at shootouts tend to stay good at shootouts. Yeah. But guys that are in that like muddled middle of like, you know, maybe their true talent is somewhere between 30 and 50%. Like sometimes they're going to have years where they're going to score on eighty percent of their shots. Sometimes they're going to have years where well, in terms of, of sample size, yes. Whereas like if you're a UC, if you're a UC Okanen or a TJ Oshie, like yeah, you're probably going to score a lot because you're yeah. clearly breaking the chart. Yeah, no, like sample size is an issue, but like overall, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sample size is always an issue. Yeah, like that's, I, no, I know shootouts. They're really small sample yeah. size. Yes, but the, and that's why Drew, who was at like forty ish percent for most of his career, and then all of a sudden in a three-year span, is at 20. Like, his shooting his shooting percentage was cut in half after it being really high for a while. Like, Peter Forsberg would step on the ice right now and be at 45%. I don't know, man. Sometimes you flip that coin, you get tails ten times in a row. No, I get it. <laughs> I, I understand it. I'm just, like... <sighs> This was the one part of Drew's game that I didn't expect to go away, honestly. Is, I don't think That's it's, my biggest... Yeah, I, I don't think it's gone. I just... 
who knows? You know, maybe this is part of the aging process, but I just don't think you can know because it's, again, such a small sample that it literally could just be that a couple shots he beat the goalie and he just happened to tweak his stick a little bit and miss the net. That Kusher, speaking of shootouts real quick, who saw the Kusherov move the other night? I did. I saw it. Nice. Did you think he did it on purpose? Yeah. Because my friends are all split. Oh, no, he did that on purpose. Do you really think he did it on purpose? Oh, yeah, he did that on purpose. He's really good. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> he did that on purpose. Kelly, did you see it? I didn't see it. It, it was a, a, I'm going to watch it as soon fake. as we're finished. It, 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 it looked was... like he lost the puck and kept going, and then the puck just slid right through the goalie. Yeah, no, he just it left was... the puck behind. If he did it on purpose, it's one of the best moves yeah, I have ever seen. It was definitely on purpose. I think it was awesome. It was uh, a couple other notes just from the GM's meetings. Getting rid of loser points, yes or no? Oh yeah. Yes. I mean, I, my idea For would be three, sake, two, one. Yes. But it, like, if you're not going to do three, two, one, then get rid of the loser point. Incentivize winning. That, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Okay. That's exactly how I feel. I like participation trophies. Well, you are a millennial, you're a millennial so millennial, Stephanie. We all all oh. Is that I, time? Is that is that time? Uh, that is all the time. What did you do, Steph? I killed it. Okay. Aliens. <laughs> that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you for turning in. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score hockey goals? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys. The Flyers! Crossing Hockey Radio! Turn the shit up, you motherfucker! Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.